Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. We met with the people from Menulog. They kept an eye on us. We kept an eye on them. We talk about keeping our doors open and keeping your enemies close to you. And it's something that we do all the time. We merged competing businesses in order to build the, the, you know, the ultimate uh, you know, market leader. Six years after starting catchoftheday.com in late 2006 from their suburban Melbourne garage and building that into a successful e-commerce website, Gabby Labovich and his brother, partner Hezzy, started to think about other areas of everyday life that were fast migrating to the digital space. The entrepreneurial brothers thought about ordering food online. Now, to put that into some context, Apple had only launched its iPhone and the whole concept of apps in 2008-2009. But Australians had long demonstrated our love of takeaway food. So, Hezzy believed there was an opportunity in ordering food online via an app. On a calculated whim, they started Eat Now in 2012 taking on Menulog, which was the dominant and only player in Australia at that time. Again, keep in mind, this is years before Uber Eats and Deliveroo were even on the scene. We'll let Gabby take up the incredible journey of the second startup they built into an empire that eventually became Menulog and made them very wealthy. In part two of our chat, Gabby's also surprisingly candid about the one that got away. Yes, an Aussie startup opportunity Gabby and Hezzy passed up and have lived to regret. And he gives some great tips for startup entrepreneurs. Gabby Labovich, you'd started and then you built up Catch of the Day to a major online successful e-commerce business. You sold it for several hundred million dollars in mid-2019 to West Farmers. But going back, when did you start to think about online food delivery and what made you think about that? Okay, so it was sometime around 2012. I have to give the credit to my brother again that spotted that some in various places around the world, uh, more and more people are ordering their food online using uh, the phone and using the app. Apple launched the iPhone around late 2009 and introduced the concept of apps. Until 2012 or so, we used to call our uh, local pizza guy and tell them to make our pizza with uh, capricciosa and cheese and whatever else, and they always used to get it wrong. And uh, we realized that the world is moving digital and everything should be done uh, online. At the time, there was only one company in Australia that was doing it, and that was uh, Menulog. And Menulog started about seven or so uh, years earlier. And that, that was started by some guys in Sydney, wasn't it? It, it was a Sydney-based company. And uh, we launched a competitor to Menulog, and we called it It Now from the suburbs of Melbourne. And slowly but surely, again, using the power of the big databases of Catch and Scoopon at the time, we were able to grow it into a very, very successful business. Okay. So 
that's a big jump, you just saying that. So you began as a rival player to Menulog, which you just mentioned was a big player in Australia. Now, this is long before Deliveroo and Uber Eats, isn't it? Correct. So we started it now in 2012. Take us through that journey about how you were a rival player and how you built up Eat Now. Sure. So uh, we've spent the next, uh, you know, pretty much two years uh, building the business and building the business, meaning signing more and more restaurants, giving uh, menu log uh, a, a, a good run for their money. We were executing in, in great ways by providing a better uh, digital offering, trying to get restaurants that Menulog were not selling to, competing on uh, price as well. Okay, so sorry, just just help me understand and our listeners understand. What was What's the business model or what was the business model back then of Eat Now? Okay, the business model was quite simple. Put as many restaurants as you can on an app, get customers to order their food using that app to distinguish from the way that it's done today by Deliveroo and Uber Eats, we did not offer the delivery options. So the driver was provided by the restaurant the same way that it was done in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. So with our offering and Menulog's offering, you could either order and pick up the goods yourself or rely on the driver that was provided by the restaurant. Yeah. When Menulog Uber Eats launched their disruptive model sometime around 2016, they came up with a model of actually offering the driver as well. Mm. And that turned the whole business upside down. So Menulog, for example, was quite strong in the Sydney market. We realized that and we went for the Melbourne market and we went for the Adelaide market and we went for the WA market Right, and, and, and kept growing the business from there. So what sort of revenues were you doing? Were you, were you getting successful from the get-go? Uh, revenues were, were not that great when you compare it to, to the catch-of-the-day numbers that we talked earlier. Mm. And I think that even when we sold the business, the revenues were only something around $2 million. But what was different over here, unlike e-commerce, where a uh, million different sellers can attract the consumer. The business of uh, food delivery is what we like to call the business of uh, the winner takes all. And if you become the market leader in your space, then your business will be valued at, uh, at a completely different way to a retail business. Slowly but surely, we chipped in by annoying Menulog and being a tough competitor. By 2015, we, we've taken about a third of the market. So okay, we, so you'd grown up, Menulog had it all to themselves in Australia and, and you'd grown up and, what, pinched 30% of the that's right. food ordering, the online food ordering business from Menulog. So when we looked at our weekly or monthly orders, uh, we were about uh, 30% of the size of Menulog. And uh, we talk in the book in quite a few ways on the, of the concept of one plus one equal three and that it's much better to team up with your competitor and build a bigger pie or a pizza in this case rather than keep fighting them. And that's exactly what we did in February 2015, Eat Now and Menulog merged. Okay, now just a minute, because there's a lot that would have gone on in that too, given Menulog was still the dominant 
player. So you must have done a really good job to be able to say to them, you should buy us if that's how it happened, or, or you know, you, we should come together. Why wouldn't they have just crushed you? Look, they obviously wanted to crush us, uh, and it's the same, you know, in any other business. But not very few companies become the uh, the clear dominant player uh, without expecting anyone to come and take a bit of their a bit of their market. And that's exactly what we did. And again, slowly but surely, we we kept annoying them while at the same time having conversations with them. We met with the people right. from Enulog. They kept an eye on us. We kept an eye on them. We talk about keeping our doors open and keeping your enemies close to you. And it's something that we do all the time because in many cases, and in our cases, we have done it twice, once with Menulog and later on with Luxury Escapes. Uh, we merged competing businesses in order to build the, the you know, the ultimate, uh, you know, market leader. Mm. Wow. So in February 2015, what happened? Uh, Menulog and it now merged. Uh, they kept 70% of the business and we kept 30% of the business. And suddenly, overnight, Helen, we were uh, owning about 20, 95% of the food delivery uh, via app in Australia. Can you believe that? That's extraordinary. Two market leaders, no competition, and the market is growing and growing and growing. Suddenly, every major market leader from around the world was vying to buy that business. The Australian food market is extremely attractive. We spend a lot of money on takeaway food every night. Our takeaway food, a lot of the time, is expensive, so the margins are good. That, that, that is exactly correct. Uh, and there's a, there were a bunch of, uh, call it Amazons of food delivery spread around the world. There was a large company in the USA called Grubhub. There was another one based in Germany called uh, something Panda. can't remember their name. Food Panda or something like that. And that's the one. And another massive one based in England called Just Eat. Each one of those companies was already based in about 20, 30 or 40 different countries. And they were trying to become the, uh, you know, the Amazon of food delivery. And they're all vied for that business. And I'm very happy to say that in uh, May 2015, Just Eat uh, managed to acquire the whole menu log and eat now business for the absolutely crazy sum of $855 million. At the time, I remember there was an article uh, at the BRW quoting that uh, the business got sold at a multiple of 371 times EBITDA and it was some kind of a, a world record of sorts. That is extraordinary. Congratulations. I mean, wow. How did you pull that off? You say it's a crazy price. Look, I think, uh, you know, the, the time was right. The business was great. Competition certainly helped when three or four yeah. companies compete to buy you out. Uh, just like in any other auction scenario, the price will go up. And I'm assuming that uh, the banker that handled the deal uh, did a very good job. That was uh, <laughs> Goldman Sachs. Maybe deserve credit as well. <laughs> so can I estimate that if you, if Eat Now part of the merged entity was roughly 30% and the menu log part of the merged entity was 70%, that you and your yeah. brother got 
somewhere north of $250 million out of that business, out of that sale? Uh, something like that, but you have to remember there were other share owners of the business at the time. I remember I told you 40% was yes. owned by a different group, and there were other small owners like your friend Adam Schwab and others. Yeah, okay. So this this idea that you you make a lot of and you talked about it before this this idea of frenemy in business explain that a little bit more. Frenemy is a term that was introduced to me by a frenemy of mine, a gentleman <laughs> called uh, Paul Greenberg. Paul today is the uh, chairman of Nora, the national online retail organization. But back in two thousand and six, he was my main competitor, and as he was running Australia's number one most successful e-commerce site called Deals Direct. Today, funnily enough, Paul is a, is a great friend. So a friend of me that turned into a friend. What's a friend of me? I mean, it's, it's, it's a competitor of yours. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, none of us need to compete to blood. I mean, we're not talking a matter of life and death here. Mm. And uh, we find throughout our history that, uh, you know, teaming up with your competitors, sharing with your competitors, collaborating with your competitors can lead to, uh, to, to great results. And as I mentioned, we've just done it tremendously well with uh, with the founders of uh, Menulog. Mm-hmm. Rather than competing with death and killing each other, and possibly none of us succeeding and reaching that uh, that exit that we ever did by teaming up, we've created an amazing business that has become so successful and so attractive that was irresistible for for an exit and an acquisition. Yeah. So the general. You know, be a nice person, you know, to, to team up with your, uh, with, with your friends, team up with your enemies and, and, and create opportunities together. Yeah. So just back to that, you know, exorbitant price, you called it a crazy price. Were you completely blown away by that? Did you think it was worth that much? Look, it's worth as much as the, uh, as the, as this. As someone wants, wants to pay. pay. It's a question you need to pass to Menulog today. I'm sure that uh, six years on, they're, 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 up, they're, up, they're up most likely uh, very happy with it. Yeah. Well, as you but, say, particularly this year with COVID, that business is probably worth more than that. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know what the value is because it's part of a, a big conglomerate yeah. of sites listed on the English stock market. So I don't think they value it separately. But absolutely, I mean, both e-commerce and uh, food delivery uh, spaces that we entered uh, a decade ago have uh, proven to be the, 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 the absolute winners of uh, COVID. Yeah. Gabby, are you and Hezzy still involved at all in Menulog or in Catch, perhaps as consultants? Did you have to stay on for a couple of years? Uh, the answer to that is uh, simply no, neither with Menulog nor with Catch, uh, where we involved or asked to be involved. Our only involvement today is in 2017, we merged our Scoopon business with Luxury Escapes. Yep. So today we are part owners of Scoopon and we are part owners of uh, Luxury Escapes. But saying that, we are not actively involved in the business. We don't have a chair in the office. And uh, I personally sit on the board of Luxury Escapes. Yeah. So in your, you have to call it a relatively short entrepreneurial journey, what's been the most important thing you think you've learned? 
it's 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 a hard question and people ask me that all the time and i think it's a combination of so many things but if you are asking me for one and only one then my answer is it's all about the people it's all about who you surround yourself with and and go to that to that massive challenge call it war uh every day you know excitement it's it's about bringing the right people that bring with them uh, a, a mixed set of skills and i'm very happy to say that i'm not the strongest and the ceo should never be the strongest in all areas you need to surround yourself with strong people that are experts in their field we talk in the book about the concept of uh, entrepreneurs not entrepreneurs right. with an i not sorry not entrepreneurs with an e but entrepreneurs with an i and what is it really it's 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 people that come to work every single day they don't own the business but they treat the business as if it was their own and i'm very happy to say that over the years we've we've worked with so many entrepreneurs and we've built so many entrepreneurs that uh, are either with a business right now or have moved on to bigger and better things is it all i mean you say uh, surround yourself with good people and that's so important but is it also really important to work hard hard work the hard slog of getting up and and coming into work each day and dealing with issues that that, that, that is absolutely correct but i think in in Coming from us, working hard is, is really part of our DNA. We just don't know how to do it any other way. I don't understand people that look at their watch at 5 p.m. and they need to run back home. And we talk about it in many, many instances, uh, you know, throughout the book that you, you, you can't achieve and you can't, you know, even dream of building a startup if you don't have that hard work uh, mentality as part of you. And by the way, Helen, that hard work uh, that, that's in the founders of, of a startup needs to be rubbed off onto the rest of the members. Because if the founder goes home at 3 p.m., everyone else will realize that the founder is not taking this business seriously and they will work uh, you know, to the same level. Yeah. So hard work is a big part of it. But um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just essential. There's no other way around it. Gabby, I wanted to ask you about the stumbles or the fails as well, which clearly a lot of entrepreneurs go through, and what you learnt from them. I think one of them might be you bought pumpkin patch out of liquidation. Yeah. yeah. Was that a painful experience? Yeah. Look, I mean, we have tried built, merged, sold, and started a bunch of businesses over that uh, unusual decade. And, you know, I think it all comes down to, to, to risk-taking. We are, we are risk-takers by nature. We're not afraid to take a risk. And when you take a risk, you succeed sometimes and you fail sometimes. You touched on to a pumpkin patch. You know, 2017-18 was probably the busiest part of our history. And... Uh, one of the things that happened is, uh, you know, Pumpkin Patch, a successful kids' clothing uh, apparel, uh, went out of business. It's a New Zealand-based company. Long story short, we jumped on a plane, we went to New Zealand, and we bought the database and the, and the domain of Pumpkin Patch. 
We spent a whole year trying to build that business. And, uh, you know, in short, it was a complete failure. Uh, why was it a complete failure? Because we tried to do something that's not part of what we call our DNA. And our DNA was always about buying end of lines and clearance and building relationships with suppliers. And Pumpkin Patch was completely different. It meant we had to go to China and we had to design clothes and manufacture clothes and pick the, uh, pick the materials and photograph kids and so many things that we just did not know how to do. And it was super, super distracting. But I'm very proud to say that uh, sometimes you just need to admit to your mistakes. Mm. And we admitted that it was a mistake. Mm. And uh, we shut it down. We actually ended up selling the whole thing to a New Zealand company and, uh, and, and, and moved on with our life. Gabby, I wanted to ask you, and I wonder if you can share with listeners the great story about the one that got away, the great company that you dismissed yeah. as an investment early on. Yeah. So after selling uh, Menulog, uh, both myself and my brother Hezi became a little bit fat and lazy. We took a year off. We didn't go to work. We traveled the world uh, and, and so on. Hezi used the time to uh, to get married and, uh, and, and, and have kids and so on. And uh, we also started investing in various uh, startups. We invested in about six or seven startups. And one day, my good friend and me, Paul Greenberg, calls me and says that he wants to come to the office and introduce me to a nice uh, guy with an interesting idea. And we sit down with, uh, with Nick that tells us about his uh, you know, little startup in, uh, in the financial space. And the truth is, both myself and my brother are not uh, financially minded. To cut a long story short, we told Nick that we are not interested in investing in his startup because we just don't think that his startup will be able to compete against market leaders like uh, Visa, PayPal, and MasterCard, and so on. That Nick ended up being Nick Molnar, a nice uh, 26-year-old guy that ended up building a $25 billion business called uh, Afterpay. And, uh, you know, we could have been the owners of, uh, you know, one or 2% of, uh, of that business. But unfortunately, we said no to Nick. And uh, it's certainly the one that we will never forget. <laughs> oh, and I think I'm looking at the share price as we speak today. Yeah. It's 85 yeah. bucks a yeah, share. I, I look at that share price every single day, Helen. <laughs> oh, you mustn't do that to yourself. Ah, uh, yeah. It yeah. So uh, let's get back to some of the, the, the positive things. And, and I'm asking a few of my guests this. I mean, when you're running these businesses, when you're scaling them up and there's massive growth in your case, what are the key things that a CEO or a leader needs to do? Just a couple of things. Look, strategy. So in our business, the strategy always came from myself and my brother. I mentioned that, you know, we may not be the best financial guy in the room or the best marketing guy in the room or the best customers guy in the room, but the strategy always came from us. So it's about hiring those great C-class individual and, uh, you know, making sure that they work together uh, as a team according to, to your instructions and your, your vision. Does that answer the question? Or yeah, you no, some more? no, no, it does. I mean, and, and then I guess the the other key is imparting that strategy, that passion, that great culture to your team. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when we left the business and you mentioned whether we are advising West Farmers or Menulog, et cetera, 
And we just knew that we are living the business with an unbelievable amount of knowledge, with great entrepreneurs that carry that DNA that started with the brothers and moved on to so many other people. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to keep watching Catch and Manulog and any other business that we were involved in and uh, watching it from the sidelines and be super happy and proud knowing that the business keeps on growing and kicking goals and truly becoming, uh, you know, Australian household brands. Gabby, how do you view the massive amounts of money you've made? Uh, does that drive you? How do you deal with having all that wealth? Look, it's obviously one of those topics that no one is comfortable uh, talking about, but we don't know each other, Helen, but if you knew me, one of the common thing that I hear again and again from people all around me is, Gabby, I've known you for 20 years and you are exactly the same person that you were 20 years ago. Mm. And, I, and I hear the same thing about, about my wife. And sure, I can afford a nicer holiday and I live in a lovely house and I drive in that you know lovely car. But apart from that, Helen, I spend $5 in the morning buying my coffee. And, uh, you know, in the book, we, we, we talk... We mentioned the line that both myself and my brother never wanted to be the richest people in the cemetery. And we knew that there's more to life than, you know, just keep on running catch and being that, you know, angry mm. CEO our 60s and into our 70s. I hope that answered the question without, you know, sounding too arrogant or... or no, too, not uh, at all. But, uh, I mean, do you, do you want to have all the biggest, best toys not, 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 in, not in the slightest. Mm. I'm, I'm, I, I think that I live quite a humble, simple life. I'll never buy that boat and, 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 and so on. And, yeah. and, and I hope to impart that kind of knowledge and, uh, and, and view of life uh, you know, to, to my kids. When I walk in the street, I don't pretend to be someone else. Uh, I look like the biggest bum in Caulfield in my Adidas <laughs> tracksuit, shaven. No one knows who I am. I'm not a famous uh, face, and uh, and I'm happy keeping it like that. Yeah. So, Gabby, you and Hezzy, you're still investing. You're helping startups. Is that what you will do for a while, or would you like to sort of? start another business or several more businesses? Yes. Yeah, so we have invested in probably about 15 different startups, most of them Australians, companies like Tribe by Jules Land or High Pages that's going to be listed uh, in the coming months and, uh, and, and a bunch of others. So we are very fortunate to be able to get approached or be able to approach, uh, you know, young and not so young startups and be able to invest in them. But just like with our uh, businesses, we like to invest in smart people and not tell them what to do. Chances are if you invest in someone smart, you, you believe in them and you want to let them do what they're good at. To answer your other part of the question, we've been sitting at home over the period of 2020. Instead of traveling the world and having lots of fun, we've been doing very little except write a book. And uh, I can tell you that there's a lot of uh, problems happening right now, problems as in good problems, because the world is being disrupted. And they say that chaos leads to opportunity. Mm. And there's shitloads of opportunities right now in the market. 
And uh, both myself and my brother really love solving problems and see a lot of opportunities happening right now. So without revealing too much, you'll be hearing from us again. <laughs> I'm asking a few my guests a few of these questions, just a few short answers. What are you obsessed about at the moment? Soccer. <laughs> Always. That's been a lifelong obsession, hasn't it? There you go. I know you wanted a business kind of. Uh, <laughs> no, that's but, uh, that's I'm good. I'm giving you the truthful answer. Yeah. What's the biggest thing you think you've learned in your startup journey? Uh, I'll go back to what I said earlier. It's all about the people. Surround yourself with smart people and just enjoy going to work with them every single day and 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 disrupt uh, you know problems and have a lot of fun along the way. It's five things, but I've summarized it all into a sentence. What do you reckon is the toughest thing you faced in your career? <sighs> Firing someone. I really hate mm. it. Mm. And I haven't, done it, I haven't done it for a number of years because it's one of those things we ended up passing on to the CEO of the business. But I hate letting people go. It's, 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 a, horrible, it's a horrible feeling and it's a horrible day. <laughs> What would you say to young people wanting to pursue an idea or to be an entrepreneur? First thing I say to young people is make sure that you travel when you're young. One thing that I haven't done and my brother hasn't done is we didn't travel. We went straight from work, straight from uni to work, to business, to family, and we didn't travel enough. So I tell my daughter, go traveling. Uh, in regards to business, I don't know. Keep educating yourself. Keep educating yourself every day. Read the newspapers. Read the financial review. Follow those uh, specialty sites that uh, you are interested in. You need to keep educating yourself. Some people call it gut feeling, but gut feeling is all about education. Gabby Leibovich, it's been fascinating talking to you. I do thank you for your time. Thank you, Helen. I think I did pretty well without preparing and I enjoyed it as well. Oh, terrific. Thank you and best of luck with the book. <laughs> Thanks. Talk soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed Build It, Thou Come. Let me know via Twitter at Helen underscore Daly. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know. Share it around your networks and I'd love you to give it a star rating to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turned their light bulb idea into an empire.